time for the MGPT Top 5 at 5 with Mike Hill and Pete Thompson. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's the MGPT Top 5 at 5. MGPT Top 5 at 5. It starts now. We've got our Top 5 college basketball coaches. This one's going to be a good one. Um, and remember, it's our favorite college basketball coaches. It's not the best college football coaches or college basketball coaches. It's our favorites. Don't forget, seize the deal. It's active and open right now. Incredible weekly offers from the best local restaurants in our area. Help support these restaurants by getting a $50 gift card for just 25 bucks. It's easy to do for the High Point Pub, North Shore Road in Amsecan. Always great specials, and you can enjoy late-night outdoor dining there until 2 a.m. Here's all you need to do. Go to SeizeTheDeal.com and bang on that $25 gift card or $50 gift card for just $25. Hurry up, though, because this deal opened at 9 o'clock this morning. There's a chance that we could be out. Limited supply. $50 gift card for $25. I mean, you don't think it's an endless supply, do you? So get there now. Go to SeizeTheDeal.com or click on the free mobile app for that $50 gift card for $25. All right, MGPT Top 5 at 5. It's five favorite college basketball coaches. Again, your favorite, not the best. PT didn't follow those rules all week. Otherwise, he wouldn't have certain coaches in there that he actually never heard of before. All right, let's bring him in now. Peter? I know who they are. Thank you very much. And I know you're more excited to blow through this segment and get to happy hour, the return of the prodigal son. I, I know you're excited for Todd to come back, but I'll do my best. Well, you're good. It's just, you know, it's supposed to be your favorite coaches, and I have a hard time thinking some of these guys were your favorites. That's all. It's my opinion, Michael. <laughs> all right, lead us. Lead us, Peter. I'm starting with Tom Izzo. I mean, first of all, the guy won me money in the NCAA pool one year when I was the only guy to pick Michigan State through to the Final Four. 25 seasons out there with the Spartans replacing Judd Heathcote. Judd Heathcote's in my honorable mention. Uh, won it all in 2000. That was that run of three straight seasons where he had the trip to the Final Four. Three straight seasons where they were a Final Four team. And five trips to the Final Four in 25 seasons. He only missed the big dance in his first two. The past season, of course, as well, because there was no tournament. 628-241. That's a 723 winning percentage. Basketball Hall of Fame. Since he took over as head coach, 20 of his players have been selected in the NBA draft, 11 of those in the first round. I mean, the guy has his nickname is Mr. March, 2000 National Championship, 09 runner-up, eight Final Fours, 10 Big Ten titles, six Big Ten tournament championships. It just all adds up to a winning coach. I mean, in 22 straight seasons, they got to go to the big dance until COVID-19 hit, and his teams have never had a losing season. They're, they're tough teams, too. I like Tom Izzo because he teaches the game tough. You know, he has that war rebounding drill where he puts, well, I don't know if he could do it anymore, but he puts the guys in football <laughs> helmets and shoulder pads. I mean, he's great quotes, too. Players play, tough players win. He doesn't determine playing time. Players do, you know, I mean, which is such great coach speak out of him. And he says, and this is my favorite quote, we'll play anybody, anytime, any place. It doesn't matter. Morning, noon, or night. doesn't matter who it is. Love that attitude. Tom Izzo, my number five favorite college basketball coach of all time. The way I approach this is when a coach is one of my favorites, I just picture myself playing for them, taking a charge, you know, and like thinking about their reaction on the sidelines. That's kind of how I approach this. So for my number five, it's Buzz. The only thing I don't like about Buzz, though, 
is the vest sometimes. I'm not a big fan of the vest that he tries to pull out once in a while. What are you going to say, Gil? I, I'm shocked to say, and you know, let you continue, but I also have Buzz number five. I love Buzz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's got that personality. And with Marquette, is that's where I, you know, obviously was originally started watching him and then Virginia Tech. Here's the thing, though. He's had a tough time at Texas A&M for his first season. It's a different... It's a, it's You're recruit, a, recruiting a different kid there. Very true. Very true. It's a different uh, It's a different beast than the Big East and the ACC. Although the ACC, they got the Dukes of the world and the Syracuses and whatnot, but different type of... Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Who, AC. him? No, no, no. The, the oh, ACC, well, the, the ACC East. is more of a basketball. I mean, they take basketball more serious than Absolutely. the SEC. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, you're definitely recruiting a different different uh, crew, if you will. Yeah, I am a big fan of Buzz Williams. Now, uh, you might you might be thinking, you know, he's not some, you know, great coach or historical guy. Sure, he's a good coach. Uh, at Marquette, NCAA tournament, uh, five straight season. Um, also, Virginia Tech, which is not a basketball school by any stretch of the imaginations, three straight seasons, but it's more his personality, man. This guy's running up and down the sidelines. He's dressed to the nines, uh, and he's sweating like a crazy man on the sideline. You talk about the vest that he wears. The guy is just soaked when the game is over. I mean, there you talk about personality. His personality is it. Now, he won 67% of his games at Marquette in the Big East, back when the Big East was pretty darn good. I, I, his whole journey has been so weird, though. Like, he's at Marquette. They're in the Big East. It's a great basketball school, and he leaves there to go to Virginia Tech, which is a nothing burger. Yeah, but it's in the ACC. I think he valued that because he's going up against different opponents. And By I've the way, always... the, I was thinking of the word conference. I was talking about how these are different conferences, and that's why I think it's important to mention the ACC. I mean, he... yeah, but then he, but I always thought the Big East is better than the ACC. That's just me. But I know a lot of people are all, oh, Duke, North Carolina. Yeah, name another one. Um, the SEC is not a basketball school, so he left the ACC to go to the SEC. It just didn't. His journey's been so weird. But Buzz is also my number five. Nice. All right. So you guys both had Buzz Williams in there. I got a different Williams, and Gil's ripping on the ACC, but this guy currently is in uh, with North Carolina. That's Roy Williams. I mean, I didn't want to like this guy. And, Gil, you've heard this story, but, Hunter, I don't think you have. I mean, I did not want to like Roy Williams, especially after he had one of his people kick me out of his huddle once in Lincoln. But I was charmed by Roy Williams, and I cannot ignore his enormous success. He's my number four. I mean, when he was with Kansas, I covered a game in the old Big Eight. It was between Kansas and Nebraska in Lincoln at the Devaney Center. I did notice there was a ton of media from Kansas that made the trip up. There were people from stations in Topeka, Kansas City. There was a St. Joe, Missouri station there. First time out of the game, I get up from the baseline and go over with my camera to get that nice establishing shot of the legendary Roy Williams in the huddle. And a girl puts her hand over my camera. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I push her hand down. I keep rolling. She puts it back up again says you can't shoot the huddle well fast forward after the game i'd already talked to the nebraska coach that was barry collier by the way at the time i'm walking back into the arena to get some gear i see coach williams so i introduce myself apologize for the huddle confusion he says really nicely oh is that you shucks you shouldn't have. you didn't know any better sorry for that we shouldn't we just don't let people shoot our huddle someone should have told you you know and just like that with that huge smile i was like oh this is how Roy Williams gets every single recruit in the country. I'm getting worked by this guy, and I don't care. <laughs>
his numbers at Kansas are incredible. You know, his numbers at North Carolina are incredible. You know, uh, the only thing he never won at all at Kansas, right? The 805 winning percentage, but that was his uh, knock. And then when he went to North Carolina and would recruit one level higher, forget about it. 885 wins to date, nine Final Fours in Kansas and North Carolina. Only coached to lead two different programs to two Final Fours each, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Roy Williams, and he charmed me. That's my number four favorite all-time college basketball coach. My number four is an interesting one. Mark Few. Now, I think in Gonzaga, I told you, this facial expression you're giving me, like you're shocked about these. No, Mark Few's my number four. Oh, okay. I thought that was nuts or something. The way I look at it, I picture myself taking a charge from these coaches, and I want to see their reaction. And that's how I make my list of my favorite coaches in college because of their, their personality. And you mentioned buzz on the sidelines. That's what it's all about. But with Mark Few, the question is, can he do this in a different conference where there's more competition? And that is an interesting question. I don't have the answer, but I know what's difficult. Building a brand like he has at Gonzaga right now, where you are talking about national championship type teams every single season. That is very hard to do no matter what league you're in, but to do it in that type of conference, wow. But I'll tell you what, he has been there for a long time, since 1999, and he is consistently winning that entire conference and going to the NCAA tournament. Mark Few, my number four. I'm surprised uh, that you put him on there, but he is also, uh, you mentioned 99-2000. Think of this, Todd Rank and I are roommates in college. This is our last year here together, and this school out of nowhere, Gonzaga, makes the NCAA tournament and goes on this run. No one had ever heard of them back then, and they haven't missed the tournament since. They have been in the tournament every single year in Mark's Few's tenure since 1999 till last year. They have been in the tournament every single year. Last year, by the way, might have been their best team. They didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament because there was no tournament. They were 31-2. and two. But how about uh, a record of 599 and 124? He has won 82% of his games. And it's, you know, yes, they're out in the West Coast, but... What I admire about Few is that he has never succumbed to the big guy scooping him up. And I respect that. He built his brand. He made himself something. He has made Gonzaga something because of him. And that's what I respect. Where Buzz jumped around, this is what I like Few for. He's not the most outgoing guy. He's not the most passionate guy. He's not sweating like a crazy man on the sideline. But he stayed at Gonzaga. And I appreciate that. That's why he's number four. Mm. So you like loyalty. You like a guy that stays in a place. Well, my guy, my number three, has been there since 1980. That's Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, I tell you, another guy that maybe I didn't want to like, especially since he knocked out my Temple Owls one time, but uh, and it owned them a bunch of times too. But uh, he's number three because of his uh, longevity and, and his success. I mean, the guy's won uh, five NCAA championships, 12 Final Fours, 15 ACC championships, 12 ACC regular season titles. Only John Wooden has more NCAA championships with 10. You know, he has three gold medals as the head coach of the U.S. men's national team, 08 Summer Olympics, 12-16. He was the assistant coach to Chuck Daly for the 92 Dream Team, two-time inductee into the Basketball Hall of Fame, 01 
for his individual coaching career, 2010, as part of that dream team induction. And the win totals are ridiculous. In 2011, he passed his former coach, Bobby Knight, to get win number 903. That made him the winningest coach in NCAA Division I men's history. That win was at Madison Square Garden in New York. Then in 2015, again at the Garden, Duke St. John's, the old great matchup there. Duke St. John's, 77-68. Coach K, the first one to get 1,000 wins. He's currently at... 1,084 and 291. That's a 789 winning percentage, which is incredible. Michael William Krzyzewski. Coach K is my number three favorite coach of all time. All right, Gil, if this is your number three, I would be shocked. Shaka Smart. You know, Shaka, uh, I love Shaka (laughs) from his VCU days. He didn't make my list. Uh, Todd Rank's a big shock, a smart guy. He has not been the guy, the same guy at Texas. No, he has not been the same guy at Texas. But I think when it comes to him. Ask Rank about shock, a smart guy. All right, we will. We definitely will. I think with him, it just comes down to he's a younger guy. He's 43 years old. And I've had personal experience with younger coaches. And just that connection with the younger coach, I think that just goes far. And at least for me personally, every time I, I had that, it worked out great, and I loved my coach, and everything was solid, and and you, you play hard for the guy, and he's another guy who's up and down on the sidelines going crazy. He almost looks like he could be on the team, you know? He looks that young. But there's something about the youth side of things when it comes to a coach, and it's not just that he's young. He has a lot of experience. You mentioned the VCU days. I think that's where, you know, he kind of made his name, of course, but... A little bit of a struggle with Texas. It hasn't been the ugliest by any means, but it hasn't been as strong. He made the tournament two times in five years, and missing it the last two years in a row is definitely big. But the VCU days, that was definitely uh, what made him pop the most. But number three for me is Shaka. Good one. Um, But no, did not make my list. Number three for me. Now I'm getting uh, into some heavy hitters here a little bit. Not quite the big, big heavy hitters, although Jay Wright, I guess you could say that he is on the list now of the heavy hitters. I mean, he has put himself there with the two national championships um, and obviously tons and tons of success uh, here at Villanova. And obviously at Nova, he has won 72% of his game. That's pretty unbelievable in the Big East. That's not easy to do. He was also a part of the real Big East and was still pretty good then. The new Big East, he has just absolutely dominated. Had a nice little run at Hoster before that. Slickster, handles the media, nice guy. Doesn't seem that he's let the success get to him. And guess what? Much like Mark Few, he has not jumped ship. He has not gone and said, you know what? Villanova's the small guy. Let me go to North Carolina or let me go to someplace bigger that's perceived to be a bigger brand. His brand is Villanova. He is Villanova. And that's what I respect about the guys who know that I made a program. I don't need to jump around and go to make all these different programs. This is my program. And Jay Wright has done that. Mark Few has done that. Jay Wright, number three on my list of five. I have a Villanova coach in my honorable mentions. It's not Jay Wright. It's the other guy. Uh, I'm older than you guys. Hey, I'm almost 50. I keep telling you that. Number two for me is Dean Smith. 36 years in Chapel Hill. He's called a coaching legend by the Basketball Hall of Fame. He retired with 879 victories. That was the record at the time since been beaten by my number three guy. Smith had the ninth highest winning percentage any men's basketball coach. 77.6 uh, during his time in North Carolina. Two national championships, 11 Final Fours. I mean, he even played for a legend when he was at Kansas playing for Fog Allen. I mean, 
His reputation was of a clean program, a high graduation rate. 96.6% of his athletes got degrees. He helped promote desegregation. He got the first African-American scholarship player, Charlie Scott, and then equal treatment for African-Americans by local businesses in and around the North Carolina area and his coaching style. I mean, so many things that Dean Smith tried to do then changed the game. His use of that John McClendon's four corners offense as the way to milk the clock at the end of the ballgame was so successful that in 1985, NCAA said, yep, we're going to put a shot clock in so you can't do this anymore. I mean, that's that's innovation right there. Did you know that Dean Smith is credited with creating Senior Day, where all the team's seniors start the final home game of the season? That wasn't a regular thing before Dean decided to do that. And sure, he kept my Temple Owls from going to the Final Four in 1991. I could still see Mark Macon's final three-point attempt hitting iron and falling away up there in East Rutherford. But Dean Smith, that is my number two favorite college basketball coach of all time. My number two is Tom Izzo, and I think this is interesting because number three was a young guy, and I like the relationship part of things, which I've had personal experience with with my coaches, with some younger coaches. Tom Izzo is like the complete opposite. He's the old guy who screams, gets in your face, and he's making sure that you're really, really focused, and if you make a bad play, he's going to grab you by your ear on the sideline and get super close, and he's super intense, but I do love that as well. I think that... Um, you know, making that defensive play. He'd, he'd do something on that sideline that would just spark everybody up. He's been the coach there since I was born, 1995. That is a long time, and, you know, he's constantly getting that team to the NCAA tournament, and for the most part, you know, favorites to actually make a legitimate run, and every year he's bringing in a good recruiting class. I love that style too, though. I, I can appreciate his style because, yes, it's hard-nosed, in-your-face, screaming and yelling, but there is a side of him as well that there's a personal side that these players obviously relate to, and anyone who has played for him says that. It's not all about what you see on the camera, on the sidelines, when it is about a heated moment. The reason why he gets so heated is because he cares just as much as the players do. So you got to take it for a grain of salt sometimes because there are questionable moments from afar looking at him. Oh, what's he doing over there? I know that there was something trending on Twitter at one point that he went too far. But look, I'm, I'm all for being hard-nosed and playing for a coach that is not afraid to get up in your face. So Tom Izzo, my number two. Izzo on my honorable mentions list because these two guys uh, are at the top. Number two for me, and uh, I love this guy, man. Now, he was a failed NBA guy recently uh, this year. I, I was surprised that he took the NBA job. I think a lot of people were uh, when John Beeline left Michigan to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think people were like, uh, what? Uh, you figure he is uh, in his 70s, and he decided to take his first crack at the NBA. But this guy, why he's not the most excitable guy in the world on the sidelines. He doesn't have that going for him. Uh, but what he did for me when I was at West Virginia, uh, he was not the coach when I was at West Virginia. He was I was gone by the time that he got hired there. But it was a weird story of how he even got to West Virginia. Uh, Dan Dakich, who does radio now out in Indiana, he was Bobby Knight's assistant at Indiana. He was hired by West Virginia, lasted one day, and then he said, you know what, I don't want this job, and he ended up leaving. They tried to hire someone else. That guy said, I didn't want the job. They ended up with John Beeline. All he did was go 104 and 60, 63%. 
Uh, ended up going to the NCAA championship multiple times, including some deep runs with some guys like Kevin Pitznagel and Mike Ganzi. You might remember those West Virginia teens. Uh, and I have a great one of the stories uh, of one of those runs. I was actually filling in for one Peter Brooks Thompson at television <laughs> at TV 40 watching the West Virginia Texas Tech game in Pete Thompson's office. Uh, it was one of the best games, overtime, back and forth, John Beeline. And when he left West Virginia to go to Michigan, my heart was broken. And all he did at Michigan was go 278 and 150. He actually was better at Michigan than he was at West Virginia. And he went to the NCAA tournament championship game multiple times. He turned into, and by the way, he's a hell of a nice guy. John Beeline, much respect, number two. Yeah, that was a great time when you got to fill in for me, right? Uh, unfortunately, we don't have that ability anymore, but sometimes you've let me fill in for you, so the role did get reversed. I appreciate that. Uh, do you have any doubt? I mean, should I just sample if you guys have any idea who my number one is? Well, it's funny. When we started this, I said to Hunter, I said, this will be Pete's list. It will be Fran Dumphy. It will be <laughs> Phil Martelli. It will be uh, Dr. John Giannini. It will be Jay Wright. And it will be John Cheney. Well, you got my number one right. I mean, uh, I didn't put any of the other guys in there, although they're great guys and great coaches. But John Cheney, I mean, come on. Do you have any doubt he'd be my number one? 24 seasons at Temple, 84 to 01. Made, from 84 to 01, he made the NCAA tournament every single year except for one. Uh, his matchup zone defense gave other teams fits. Uh, they didn't know how to prepare for it. Uh, holding practice at 5 a.m. to try and keep his kids out of trouble. The stance on Prop 48 gave more guys a chance to go to college in 88, right before I got there when they were the number one team in the country and they beat Villanova at McGonagall Hall. They went 32-2 and that year and lost to Duke in the Elite Eight. That was where Mark Bacon shot six for 36. Uh, but, I mean, his, his influence to me, too, the personal influence. I mean, I got to cover this guy my entire time and when I was out and got to cover guys like Aaron McKee and Eddie Jones and Mark Bacon and Pepe Sanchez and, you know, all, all these great players that – the 88 team was, I didn't know a lot of those guys, but, you know, Dwayne Coswell went on to play in the NBA. Donald Hodge, you know, I, I always tell the story about I don't like Huggins because Cincinnati always played rough, and they Vic Carstarfin got his leg rolled up on, you know, by Nick Van Exel. I mean, all this stuff, you know. Temple was never like the elite program, and John Chaney put them in the conversation and made the NCAA selection committee every year have to consider them regardless of what their record was. So for me, I mean, he's in the basketball game, and he gave great quotes too, including the one on my graduation day from college when he walked over, spotted me, walked over, leaned into my ear and said, it's about time you're graduating, Peter. And I said, oh, thanks, Coach. And he says, now you'll stop asking me those effing stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> No, that sounds about right. John Chaney, my number one. My number one is Jay Wright. He's the definition of cool. He's got the beautiful suits. He's got the reaction. You win a national championship, the guy doesn't even smile, and he walks down the, 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 the court ready to give a handshake to the opposing coach. I mean, that's just ridiculous. He is the definition of cool. He's got great swag. And look, you mentioned it when it comes to building that brand of Villanova basketball. He has done that. And they just landed a top recruit 
pretty recently, within the last week, they just nailed another one. And the way that he keeps these players for more than one year, he grows them, he grooms them, like Daryl Reynolds. He goes through, and they play more than one season. That's hard to find, because a lot of players, they want to go somewhere, and then they want to go to the league. But you have a, a person that you can trust that will grow you and groom you into the player that you need to be to be solid at that level. So for me, it is Jay Wright, that Villanova, the whole entire organization right now. It's just breeding basketball. Well, and as Pete Thompson said for his number one, is there any doubt who my number one would be? Bueller. Huggins. Bueller. Huggins. It's the Huggins. Huggy Bear. Bob Huggins. I mean, he's just a man. He's the myth. And he is a freaking legend. I mean... You look at what he's done in his career, 800 wins and 347 losses. He's won 70% of his games as a head coach at West Virginia, which, by the way, the last time I checked is in some sort of basketball factory. It's not like people are banging down the door. Hey, can I play hoops in Morgantown, West Virginia? And yet he has figured out to win 65% of his games at WVU. He coached in Manhattan, Kansas. Not exactly a hotbed to play college basketball. 65%. He was at the University of Cincinnati and won 75%. And he was at Akron and led the Zips to 67% winning percentage. But Huggy Bear, the man, you could have a beer with. In fact, he'll outdrink the whole damn place. In fact, we've had to carry him up the elevator to go to his room a few times on a couple of occasions at WVU. But the best part about Huggy is all these guys wear these suits thinking they're something my man puts on a jumpsuit and puts on the three-quarter zip-up and says, Have at it, Hoss. He's sweating like a crazy pig out there. Bobby Huggins is the greatest basketball coach, not only in college sports, in sports, period. Oh, my. That's Huggy. too far. Huggy, not to mention he is a proud WVU alum. And that's why he's number one on the list of college basketball coaches, Bob Huggins. Do you think his defensive intensity hurts the squad sometimes? No. Nope. The only reason they're any good is because of that. They never have a, they don't. He hasn't had an NBA player at WVU. Yeah, but sometimes it's, and this is coming from a guy who loves it, I just think sometimes he presses too much, it actually hurts. That's their style, press I Virginia. know it's their, oh, I know it's They don't have style. the talent to compete. I think they do. A couple honorable mentions, PT, hurry. Jim Valvano, Al McGuire, Larry Brown, Tark, Majerus, Katie, Sutton, Eddie Sutton, started at Creighton, by the way, Raleigh Massimino, Judd Heathcote, Louis Karnasek, John Thompson, Dana Altman. I'm a Chris Mack fan. I got Chris Mack, Phil Martelli, um, Coach Cal, Roy Williams. Not a big Coach K guy, by the way. Yeah, I'm not a huge Coach K guy. Nah. Not Roy Williams either. Tom Izzo, Phil Martelli. I love Phil. Uh, John Calipari, but I... Put the asterisk, the UMass days. Oh, okay. A young John Cal. I love the young, feisty John Cal at UMass. Rick Majerus, what a nice man, by the way, when he was with the St. Louis Billikens. And I can't believe, PT, you threw the sweater on the list. Louis Carnesecca was the man at St. John's. There's our five today. It is our top five college basketball coaches. College basketball coaches are such characters. They're great. They are college basketball. All right, Peter, have a good weekend. All right, guys, you too. Enjoy the happy hour. Say hi to Todd for me. Happy hour Friday continues with Todd Rank on the other side. 
The MGPT Top 5 at 5, it's brought to you by the New Jersey Lottery. They encourage everyone to dream big. However, the lottery should not be played as an alternative source of income, and you should always know your limits. Dream big. Play responsibly. Todd Rank, happy hour Friday next. 97. Radio Talk Show, The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, 5.32 on a happy hour Friday, Mike and bros. We're getting close to the end of the weekend now. You got the big move this weekend. I do. I got a lot going on this weekend. Overwhelming? A little bit, yeah, but exciting too, though. You know, first-time homeowner, mortgage bills, electric bills. That kind of stuff. They're fun. I don't know if it is. We'll find out. All right. Have you been? Uh, are you in yet? No. Settlement Tuesday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're not moving this weekend. No, no, no. But we're getting everything together. So then on Tuesday, bang. As soon as we reach settlement, we're in. We're moving. We're going. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Happy hour Friday. Todd Rank is back. We are. We've been having a good, a lot of good times today. Check out the full podcast of the show as soon as it's over up on our website. You can rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Search for the Sports Bash podcast. And now let's bring Todd Rank in to our Happy Hour Friday show. So it's been a couple of weeks. You know, you just moved too. I was just going to say congratulations, Hunter. That's awesome. Um, I did move myself, but... I'm, to be a homeowner in uh, in Los Angeles, it may be when I'm like 65 or 70, but uh, uh, I did move, and uh, and I got a little closer to the beach, ooh. which means my apartment got a little smaller, um, but it's it's a good move. Yeah, we finally, this weekend I'll move everything in and, and uh, should be all done by the weekend, but it's a process. I had moved in about five years, and you know me, Gil, I've moved uh, a good number of times in my life, so... Uh, five years between moves was kind of nice, but uh, forgot how how much it takes. So, Hunter, good luck, buddy. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, yeah. Didn't you get your car stolen one time when you were moving? Like the guy, when you were moving stuff, wasn't there stuff in your car, and someone stole the car with the stuff you were moving? Yeah, that was my move to California, Gil. <laughs> my my entire life got stolen. <laughs> Right. What? Hunter's face is looking at it like, I'm lost what? for words. I need some more details, unless this is something that we don't best, want to speak about again. The best part is, the car that got stolen was a Saturn, wasn't it? Like, they didn't even make a Saturn anymore. Yeah, so it was. So my truck, my Blazer, uh, broke down, right, back home before I was going to move. So I got this Saturn from my mom. It was my mom's car. She said, you can have the Saturn. It was paid off. And she's like, I'll get It's time for an upgrade anyway. I drive a Saturn across country with it packed to the brim with all my stuff to move to California. I get out to California. I'm staying with my buddy for about a month. I'm, I already have a job. I'm looking for a place to live while I'm sleeping on his couch. I go out one morning to get in the car to go to work, and I look, and I go, I could swear my car was parked out on the street right here. <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing is me and my buddy had gone for drinks the night before, so I was a little bit gray area of like, did I move my car and not remember? So I took a walk around the block, no car. I call up, put in a missing report, whatever. Two weeks later, they find the car about a mile away from where it was, totally gutted. Somebody just took it around, 
took all my photo albums, took my teddy bears, took my TVs, took my, you know, you, you name it. They took it out of my car. And so literally, I was in LA a month after moving out here with a pair of shorts, a Chicago Cubs uh, jersey to wear, and, and that was it. And, uh, and we got started. I said, well, it's either I'm going home right now and I'm never coming back or we'll figure it out and we'll, we'll go a day at a time. So I just took a deep breath and said, all right, we'll get a rental. We got a job already. Let's baby step back. You know what I mean? That's one hell of a story. Hey, at least you can share some laughs about it now. But at the time, I'm sure that was uh, something. Did you say teddy bears? Well, Gil, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a bear. It was a Chicago Cubby Bear is what it was. I got it at, at Wrigley Field. And I got it, and it stayed with me for a lot of time, maybe through college and through uh, into my move. And it was like my guy. You know, it's one of those things you just, like, I'm in the car by myself on a cross-country trip. He kept me company. And I get out here, and I said, of all the things, I said, they got to take my guy? And sure enough, they took <laughs> Uh, my guy. All right, happy hour Friday. Todd Rank is with us. So, the la- you've been off for two weeks. Uh, we, we, you know, but in the two weeks, a lot has changed. So, baseball is back. Are you excited a- at all uh, for that? Basketball, by the way, the NBA uh, is having its schedule released tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, are you able to get excited for these sports, or do you just feel like it's going to be off or not? I'm excited for the soap opera that's about to come. Because you can, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to go with the percentage that none of these seasons, except I'll give hockey a chance, but none of these seasons are going to finish. Now, why do you give give hockey a shot? Now, I said I give hockey a shot because they're going to play in a different country. Well, that would be part of it. The other is I just think the way... And again, I, I could be totally wrong. I just think there's there's already shield guards on your face, right? Um, you are still hitting each other. You're still physically going to come in contact. I just, for whatever reason, I feel like the way that they have it set up might be the only sport that could make it work. Now, granted, this is putting NASCAR aside and, you know, all those other things. But when we're talking about the three big ones, football, baseball, basketball, um, I just can't fathom away, and I, I haven't heard you guys talk over the last week or two. I'd love to get your input. Do you, either of you, genuinely believe one of those three leagues is going to finish a season this year? I think the NBA has a chance. The only thing that concerns me about the NBA is the fact that these people who are working in Orlando, in, in the Walt Disney World, they're able to leave and come back. That scares me a bit. Yeah. But But I do think that they are so strategically planning this out that they have a chance. I just feel, based off of even history with Adam Silver and the way the NBA works, that I have more faith in them just because it's the NBA over any other league. Now, will you enjoy it based on if there are stars who decide they will not play? It depends. I mean, if we're talking LeBron James, Anthony Davis, which obviously I don't think you're going to see that with those type of players, but if they get COVID and they can't play and it's the playoffs, yeah, it's it's really going to change how I view this thing. I still think at the end of the day that it would be better than no sports at all, but 
it would definitely go down in the history books as, okay, the Lakers lost, but they didn't have LeBron or Anthony Davis or or some of these other stars aren't playing because they had to sit out and quarantine. Well, right. And what about Avery Bradley out there saying he's not going to play? I mean, I'm sure that's been talked about a lot out that way. He's out, right. That's the thing. And, again, you talk about a small piece, but it's an integral piece to the team and what they're trying to do and what they'll need come playoff time. So, again, these little pieces that may not be the big-name stars, if they decide, and I heard the talk, too, with the NFL with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, these guys are worried, again, they're healthy. But when they go home, and, and, and maybe some of them have their grandparents living in their home with them. You know, maybe some of them have their parents living with them. You just don't know. And, and those are the things that we don't see on the behind-the-scenes issues that are going to come up with these players. And we've already seen Tampa Bay for the football team. They're, they're practicing, you know, Florida's a, a hotbed right now. Ooh. And, and oh. at what point do you say, Guys, we got to shut it down. I just don't know how it's going to play. I will say what I think is funny is the baseball season being 60 games. I think that I wish it would it would make it through 60. I don't think it will because I think that's an experiment that I think most of us are going to love and say 60 games. This is beautiful. Forget this 162 nonsense. Well, right, you know that, but I mean, you know that's not going to happen. Well, because of money. No. It always comes back to it, and. And honestly, 60 may be too small, but you, you'll get a gist of every game is going to matter. And I think that's the fun part of it, right? 60 games, you can't sit there and go on a 12-game losing streak or an 8-game losing streak. You're done. You're out. So I just think, you know, it, that would be a fun thing to see this season. But again, I just think all of this is going to implode. I don't want to be a negative guy. I'm an optimistic guy. But I'm looking at things. I'm looking at what's happening in the country. And I'm going, guys, it's as if they believe they're in their own bubbles that they can do these things without the rest of the world and everything that's going on. It just, I, look, I can't see it happening. But it's fun to talk about, and it's, it's at least something to look forward to. But I think we're going to get to week three or four of the NFL season, and we're going to go, uh, there's, not, there's nothing to do here, guys. We've got, we got eight teams that are on lockdown from the quarantine, and, you know, what are we going to do now? Right, that baseball said today, like, they know players are going to get it, but they have a plan. But the problem is, I mean, what do you get one team that has six starters that get hit with it? I mean, that's the problem. And they're knocked out, Gil, for two weeks for sure. And now as they learn more about these viruses, they're saying people are having it for longer extended periods of time. So, again, are you coming back too soon? Are you giving it to others on the team? At what point do you truly feel safe? Do other players feel safe once you return to play? All those things are going to start to pop up. And I, I'm telling you, players are going to sit there and go, what are we doing this for? Why are we here? I, I'm telling you that's going to be the end result, is they're going to sit there and go, enough's enough, guys. Let's just we're going to play next year. Enough with this. I, I think there's going to be too many players that get fed up. Well, and that will bring us back to where we started the show. We'll end with this. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins said sports are not essential businesses. Like, we don't need to be out there yet. How much economic impact do they have to not only the leagues, the teams, the cities that they reside in, the people who work for those teams, the bars and restaurants that people go to watch their games? So he says they're not essential, and they're not essential. But 
economically are they essential? It's a great argument, and and you can see how the tentacles of what they are make other things essential, right? So, like, to your point, the game itself is not essential, but everything that, that buys into that game, everything that works within that game, the hotels, the restaurants, you name it, all those workers, all that money, all those things become part of the essential uh, talk when you're talking about the economy and things like that, that people need to still work or people... But again, that's a fight we're dealing with every day just in real life right now. And you made a great, you sent me a great text earlier, Gil, that you said with, with sports not here, the politics, the, the, the politics of the world has always become sport for people because people need to, to take a side or root for a team. It feels like without any sports, politics has become that, right? People are picking a side and, and they're fighting for that side and, and everything's talked about politics and everything's about the news where before people just shut that channel off and they want to watch their team, right? There is no team. So there's a lot of that back and forth of would, would teams and watching sports help the overall health of the country and the health of people mentally, emotionally, physically, all those things, will that help people if the sports can come back? Again, it's going to be a question that, can the sports consistently get through the season? To your point, Hunter, basketball is going to get right into the playoffs pretty quickly. Maybe they got a shot. I think football is doomed, and it kills me to say that because I really want to watch football this fall. I just think we're in trouble. I think college football is definitely not going to happen. Um, and, again, we'll see what comes of it. But with all these things being delayed, we will have maybe some other sports to watch without football. I just think it's going to be a domino effect, and I hope I'm wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, too. But we will end with this right here. I was informed to ask you about Shaka Smart. Oh, we just did our top five college coaches, and he had Shaka Smart on that list. I said, ask Rank about Shaka Smart. Now, you enjoyed him at Virginia Commonwealth, but I don't believe he's really lived up to it at that Texas. Well, he hasn't in Texas, but I will give you that, Hunter. I would agree with you. I love Shaka Smart. I mean, he's one of my guys. And I'll say this. There's certain coaches in certain scenarios that flourish. And he works, I think, better in a smaller college system where he can motivate and press and pull out the excess talent that those players have. When you go to Texas, guess what it becomes? And I don't know if you said this earlier, Hunter. It's very political. He probably lost a lot more control than the control actually had at a smaller school. And I think that hurts him. I'm not, I don't want to give excuses, but the reality is he's not getting the talent there, and that could be part to him and the recruiting. I just think boosters, if they don't like him, if they don't want him there, they control a lot more mm. than at a smaller school. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Hunter, but – I love Shaka Smart. I think he's a great coach. We had him in the top five. I mean, we just did our five. I, I was like, Shaka Smart, really? Like, because at Texas, he hasn't, you wouldn't say that he really, I mean, he's been at Texas now for at least, what, eight I, years? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was around six. I okay. think it was six, and he made the tournament two of the six. Or It was very similar to that when I looked yeah. it up. But, um, but well, yeah, no, are I, you guys talking about, are you guys talking about coaches 
all time, or are we just talking about coaches that are coaching today? No, all time. It was all time, but in, if I put it as, if I'm taking a charge, who do I want to take a charge for? And this is my era of college basketball, so I want to see Shock on the right. sidelines giving a little fist pump for my charge. And how about, hey, and if we're talking like you could separate that argument into contemporary coaches today, Shaka Smart has to be there. I think Harley for Arizona, was it Harley at Arizona State? Yeah. I, I love him there. I mean, there's some of those contemporary coaches that are next level, Ooh. and you, you kind of see who's going to be the next great one. Where do you go, Buzz Williams? We both put Buzz on our list. I love Buzz. Oh, you know I love Buzz. <laughs> again, you know what my problem is with these coaches? They do so great where they are, and I get it. It's like a promotion, right? You want to go to a bigger school, bigger money. But, man, then they just kind of hit the wall. And, again, he's doing all right. But he was so much better where he was before. I, I just, you know. Well, that was my one knock on him is that he was at Marquette, then he went to Virginia Tech, and now he's at uh, Texas A&M. It was like, come on, Buzz. You were something at Marquette. And then, uh, you know. All right, that's a happy hour Friday. Cool. What? And I was going to say, that Marquette is still competes with the top schools, so I don't even know why he really left. Yeah, I don't know. That Big East kind of fell apart a little bit, but then they built it back up. And now he's at Texas A&M, which that's not a basketball school. Come on. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Will do, guys. Enjoy. All right. That's our uh, happy hour Friday. Todd Rank is with us every Friday at 530. Brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Agriculture. Summer in New Jersey means fresh Jersey berries. They're bigger, flavorful, and now they're available at your favorite market. Thank New Jersey Farms and buy Jersey Fresh Blueberries. Five next. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Ready for competition? It's time for five questions. Three game and just man, that five. Number five will always love you. All right, get ready to wrap up the Friday show. Here we go with the five. All right, rapid fire here. How do you feel about the powder blue Philly jerseys? Because I know you don't like funky jerseys sometimes. Do you like them? Fat P, I like them. You do like them with yeah. the bait, the powder blue and the maroon. Yeah, I'm surprised. That's normally not your style. Um, was Cole Hamels appreciated enough? Not enough. Not enough. I would have to completely agree with you. 100 percent not enough. Do you like college hoops more than the NBA? Uh, not really. But I'm a big college hoops guy. But I would say this: you asked me this question five years ago, it might have been college basketball. Right now, it's bad. You think it's bad? I don't think it's bad. I think it's horrible. Wow, really? So bad. I don't think it's bad. It's bad basketball. Why is it bad basketball? Because they're not good players. They all leave. There's nobody There's nobody that's any good that stays in place. Well, you get the one year, and then you get the guys at Villanova. You get D-Ray. Come on, don't say that. You kidding me? Yeah, bad basketball product right now. I like college hoops more than the NBA, but I had that emotional tie to the NBA. Big 12, is that your favorite conference in hoops, or... Do you no. like a better conference? But I didn't know. I've always been big Big East guy. Me too. But the older, the old Big East before sure. it fell apart was better than the ACC. I still love this Big East. I like this they Big East. They get disrespected. Not the same though. They get disrespected. Last one. As a child, your favorite video game system growing up? Well, I mean, I was a product of like Nintendo. That's 64? what we played. No, 64. Come on, what's wrong with the 64? Regular NES, the first Nintendo ever, where you had to blow on the cartridge. You oh. blew on the 64 cartridge? Yeah, the old Nintendo, you had to put the thing in, and then you put the other game upside down to keep the other thing down. 
And then Sega, the Sega Genesis, when that came in, that it's was big pretty one. hot. That yeah. was a big one. All right, we'll do better on Monday.